Well, thank you, Dan, so much. And I'm really, um, the, my best title is husband. My lovely wife here in the front, her name is Favi. Last time we were here, I had a chance to uh, perform a wedding ceremony in this facility for my daughter, Cynthia and David. And she walked down that aisle and I had a chance to uh, have her walk down the aisle. And she, she sat up here and I preached on, on the Ten Commandments at a wedding. And... Uh, <laughs> Ten things that should keep in mind. And so we had a wonderful experience here at Calvary Bible Church. So it's thank you for allowing me to come and be a part of this, uh, of this uh, missions conference. You know Dan here, uh, Pastor uh, Dan Balderas, he um, ha- hasn't always been a real great Spanish-speaking guy. He's what we call in, in our culture, pocho. Um, that's, he's not quite Hispanic and not quite Anglo. You know, he's in between. <laughs> and story, stories told one that he, um, he uh, way long when he and his wife were dating and actually just got married, they, um, they needed to raise some money because Southern California is an expensive place to live. And so they, um, they went down to Mexico to raise some fast money down there because they felt, figured they could do something. And so, um, what they took down to Mexico was a, a bungee jumping operation, you know. When you, and so they took their equipment. He and his wife down there, newly wed, and, and uh, they found this place where there was a bridge overlooking a little village. And uh, so, so Dan, being the man that he is, was going to put put, all, put put the ropes on the whole thing, and he wanted to demonstrate to the people that were down there looking up. And so he dove down and to give the demonstration. And then as he came up, his wife tried to put him back on the ledge, and she noticed that um, his head was, was bleeding, and uh, his, his, his clothes were kind of torn. And, and so she, she was shocked, and so she tried to grab him, and he went down. And then he came up again. When he came up again the second time, he was in really bad shape. I mean, his head was really bashed in, his clothes were just ripped to shreds, and she got him and put him on the platform, and she said, Honey, was, was the rope too long? He said, No, babe, the, they're, they're just right. But what in the world is a piñata? He's come a long way since that time, you notice, and so he uh, now heads a Spanish-speaking church, and he is bilingual and fully English and fully Spanish, and I think he knows by now what a piñata is all about. <laughs> but it's been great to know him, and, and also your pastor, Brother Jack Hughes. You are so blessed to have him be your shepherd and to be here and heading the ministry. Such a great, great man of God. And you know, very deep in the Word, have you noticed that? Brother Jack, he just goes down deep. Have you noticed that? He loves the Word of God, and he just shares the Word of God. But he's not, he hasn't always been that way. <clears throat> yeah, he hasn't always been that way. I mean, you sh- way back in seminary days. Interesting, when he, he applied to the seminary, applied to the seminary, and um, one of the professors mentioned that when he applied to the seminary, they had to ask him a few questions about the Bible. And so they asked him, and Brother Jack, what... Um, Tell us about the Bible. How much do you know about the Bible? He says, oh, psh, I know the Bible from cover to cover. And they say, well, um, in the book of the Bible, what book do you like the best? He says, well, my specialty is the Gospel of Mark. Whoa. He says, and, 
and about the Gospel of Mark, which is, which is the best part of the Gospel, uh, Gospel of Mark that you like. He says, I like the parables the best. Well, he says, well, can you tell us which of the parables you love the best? He says, I love the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, uh, Brother Hughes, then, tell us from memory, then, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here's what he said. He said, well, sir, it's like this. Once there was this man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked him. (laughs) And as he went on, he didn't have no money. And he met the queen of Sheba, and she gave him a thousand talents of gold and a hundred changes of raiment. And he got into a chariot, and he drove furiously. And when he was driving under a big juniper tree, his hair got caught on a limb of that tree. And he hung there many days, and the ravens brought him food to eat and water to drink. And he ate five thousand loaves of bread and two fishes. And one night he was hanging there asleep, and his wife Delilah come along. And she cut off his hair, and he fell on stony ground. But he got up and he went on. And he began to rain, and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. And he hid himself in a cave, and he lived on locusts and wild honey. And then he, he went on till he met a servant who says, Come, take supper at my house. And he made excuse and said, I won't, I won't. I married a wife, and I can't go. And the servant went out in the highways and the hedges and compelled him to come in. After supper he went on, he came on down to Jericho. And when he got there, he looked up and he saw that old Queen Jezebel sitting way up high up on a window. And she laughed at him. And he says, throw her down. And they threw her down. And he says, throw her down again. And they threw her down 70 times 7. <laughs> and of the fragments that remained, they picked up 12 baskets full, besides women and children. And then they said, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, whose wife do you think she'll be at the judgment day? It's come a long way, hasn't it? Now, if you weren't laughing, you're in deep trouble. I appreciate so much the ministry of Dr. Dr. Hughes and just pray that God will, will bless him and that you will love him and encourage him and just listen to the word of God that's preached from this pulpit. Not tonight, tonight. I want, to, I want us to open to Luke chapter 10. That'll be our text. This is the real parable of the Good Samaritan. We are blessed here in Southern California. We are blessed because we have the world that has come to our, foot, to our doorsteps. We are blessed because we live in an area of the world where it is so, um, so heterogeneous. We have so many, so many nations that surround us all over. We, of all people, are most blessed. At the seminary, we have folks that come from all over the, all over the country, and they come to California, especially L.A., and they sometimes come with fear and trepidation. And uh, they uh, have a hard time adjusting to Southern California. But you know, for those of us that are here, this is an exciting place to be. Because there are people in Southern California. There are all kinds of people in Southern California. And, and God has opened to us a door of opportunity. A door of opportunity. Is that we have the nations that have come to America. And the nations that have come to Southern California. And the nations that have come right here to the Los, Los Angeles Basin. 
And God has, God has given to all of us, all of, our, all of us that are believers here, God has given us a wide door of effective service, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, a wide door of effective service. And yet there are many adversaries. There are many adversaries. And sometimes the adversaries are not on the outside. Sometimes the adversaries are within the walls of the church. We sometimes are our biggest hang-up and our biggest problem in reaching the world that has come to us and all the nations that inhabit our city that have come here who need to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's an ingredient that's going to help us to get the job done. There's one key ingredient that's going to help us to get outside these walls and reach these nations that have come to us and those that have not come to us will allow us and move us to leave our comfort zone here and go across the street or across the ocean and around the world to reach people that have never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now the text in Luke chapter 10, verse 25, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How does, it, how does it read to you? And he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, who was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him, and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. And that is the Lord's word to you and to me tonight, to go and do the same. My friends, we have, we have neighbors. We have neighbors all around us. We have neighbors that don't know Jesus Christ. We have neighbors of all different color and all different sizes. We have neighbors of all different nationalities and all different languages. We have neighbors that have come to us. They have bought the homes next door. They have moved into our city. They have moved into our nation. 
They have become our neighbors. The only problem is that we have not always been very neighborly towards them. True or not? We have not always been very neighborly towards them. And the Lord here reminding us that His two great commandments are to love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. And the second one is like it. Finish it. You shall you shall love your neighbor as your... Yeah. Not you shall love your neighbor like yourself, which is the way some of us read it. You shall love your neighbor how? As yourself, as you love yourself. And then the man came and said, well then, who is my neighbor? Explain to me then whom you're talking about. And my friend, I want us to take this parable, because the lesson is very simple, not very profound. It's profound, but based on simplicity. And it's, for many of us, the hardest thing to do, is to love those that are not like us. To love those that don't speak the same language we, we speak. To love those that don't have the same culture. To love those that oftentimes threaten us. With their lifestyle or with their numbers. But God is saying to you and saying to me. That we need to implement this commandment. And love our neighbor as what? Ourselves. So let me just tonight. Take this truth and just reason together with me. Because the only way we can take this gospel and implement what it says, one Lord and one flock, one shepherd and one flock, is for us to recognize that God wants all these people also to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the question that we need to ask ourselves first of all is, why we ought to love our neighbor in such a way that we're going to take, God, take Christ to them. Now, friends, friends may, I, may I just remind us that people need the Lord. Do they not? These people need Christ. People need the Lord. It's important for us to recognize that. That they, they don't know Christ. And the majority of the nations that have come to our doorsteps and have become our neighbors are those that do not know Christ. Whether they be Chinese or, or Bengalis, whether they be Mexicans, Central Americans, Iranians, they need Christ. Do they not? They need the Lord. They need the Lord. They need Christ. And they need Christ foremost and most important. And oftentimes we forget that. We forget the fact that they come to us and that they don't know Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we see them behaving this way and behaving that way. And we begin to criticize them and complain and sometimes bemoan their behavior. But the root problem is they don't know the Lord. And so they can't act any differently. They're dead in transgressions. They are blind to the things of God. They don't know the things that you know. They don't believe in the Lord that you believe in. They don't have the same standards that you have. Why? Because they don't know the Lord. 
They need Christ, do they not? They are a mission field to us. What's exciting is that they've come to us. They've come to us. When I was a kid, my father, my father and I, we used to we used to pick watermelons when I was a kid, and we would go to watermelon fields. That where you get them is at the, the, the stores, you know. But we used to go to the fields and. And we, he'd park the pickup and all the gang would get off, all the kids. My dad would look out and he would see all these watermelons everywhere. And he would go, oh, sons, look, sons, fruit. And we'd go, dad, work. So we would say. <laughs> he'd be excited because of the fruit that was out there. You know, the multitudes. And much the same way. We think of L.A. and we think of millions of people, five, six, seven. You're parked on freeways and you see all these people. You know what a Christian says? God, thank you. This is fruit. People are here. Brother Jack and I were talking, Pastor Jack, and he was talking about Idaho. Idaho? <laughs> What's in Idaho? There's nothing in Idaho. Planes don't even land in Idaho, my friends. <laughs> and nothing but cows and, and, and sagebrush, you know, and a, an occasional cowboy out there. But the fruits where? We're here, friend. This is, this is Calvary Bible Church. We have what? People here. And they need what? Speak to me. Now, in first fundamental, when I ask a question, you answer. <laughs> They need what? Oh, you're doing better. They need what? Amen. They need the Lord. And recognize that. And friend, we, we that are here are in a position to love them because we know who? We know the Lord. Somebody described missions this way. Missions is all is simply one beggar taking bread to another beggar. Isn't that true? Dr. Barrick? Yeah, he's, he's the expert in missions. By the way, it's going to get better. If you don't like it tonight, it gets better. Yeah, tomorrow with, with, with Bobby Scott, he's going to burn this place apart. And then, and then Sunday with Dr. Barrick, watch out. He's even dressed to kill tonight. You've got to watch that. Well, but, but missions is simply one beggar telling another, another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that so? And do you know the Lord tonight? Raise your hand if you know the Lord. See, so we are in a position to share Christ because we know Him. We know Him. And don't be like that, like that silly, silly kid that I grew up with, who every Sunday went to Sunday school. Every Sunday he and his family got in the car and went to Sunday school. And I was a pagan kid, pagan as pagan could be. I had a brother and a little sister, and we were like as pagan. We were like mean, reprobate little kids. My wife says about us, we're the kind of kids she would never want our kids to play with. And I, I don't like that remark. I mean, I, but we used to, every Sunday, watch this guy go to, and we didn't know he was going. We just knew we wanted to play with him. And they would go someplace every Sunday and then come back every Sunday. And it was years later that I found out, after I came to Christ, I found out this guy was a Christian. And they went to Sunday school every single Sunday. They never once invited us to go. You know why? Because they were Anglo and we were Hispanic farm workers. And not a one time were they ever invited us to go to Sunday school. 
Would we have gone? Absolutely. We had nothing else to do. We had no place to go. We would have gone any place. Even Sunday school. But we, and all of us are believers now. I'm a, I'm a Christian pastor. My sister's married to a, a Christian pastor. I mean, we would have gone, but nobody invited us. And it's like some of you out there. Some of you out there, you never, ever, ever invite anyone to come to Christ or even to come to church. Why? Speak to me. Why? They're selfish. Thank you, lady. You see why? You see, somehow we are not implementing what the Lord is saying to us here. We have the gospel. Just recognize that they need the Lord They're beggars in need of bread. We are beggars that have found bread. Let's tell them where the bread is. So that they can also have Christ like we have Christ. And they can be saved just the way we are saved. You see, friend, it's important for us to recognize that. That's why Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now let me ask you, do you love yourself tonight? Speak to me. Oh, speak to me. Do you love yourself tonight? Oh, yes, you love yourself tonight. I know you do. Some people say, well, you know, Alex, uh, I I can't love others until I learn to love myself. It's only after I learn to love myself, then I can actually learn to love other people. You ever say that about yourself? I'm sure you don't, but he does. See, and, and... And, and see, that is the old, that's all the dysfunctional thoughts. I got news for you. I haven't met anybody that doesn't love themselves. Our problem is not that we don't love ourselves. Our problem is we love ourselves too much. Love them the way you love yourself. Reach over and love them and share. Out of the love we love because he first loved. Are you able to love your neighbor? Are you able to love your neighbor? Absolutely. No matter who he is, what he is, you're able to love him because you have the love of God that has been poured out in your life. And so we are able, we have the capacity to love our neighbors is within us. And that's why the Lord commands us to love our neighbor. So love your neighbor as you love yourself. And this whole parable is simply the application of that. And the Lord, the master storyteller, tells the story to try to illustrate to this man, uh, to answer his question. When he's trying to evade the issue, trying to circumvent the, 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 the application of the, of the commandment, trying to, you might say, uh, get himself out of loving his neighbor and asking the question, well, then who is my neighbor? And the Lord, always the master storyteller, he told them a story. And when he got through the story, the story was, the lesson was so obvious that he could not, but he couldn't help but apply the text to himself. Now, I want you to follow the text carefully with me because, you see, I want to help us tonight. I want to help us to get a little bit uncomfortable. I want to, I want to provoke you to love and good deeds. Could I do that tonight? Could I do that tonight? Even if you don't want to, I'm still going to do it to you. All right. So I want you to see that that the we have we have all these objections, all these objections, and and um, you see, ten years from now, 
Calvary Bible Church should be different. There should be Asians in here. There should be blacks in here. There should be more Hispanics in here. There should be Ar- Armenian people. Armenians, not Armenians, Armenians, okay? <laughs> yeah, I think you got it. You see, and this should, this should, we should have that in our churches. We should also be able to say, over the next 10, 15 years, we have planted X number of churches in all these ethnic communities here in, in the L.A. Basin. We have a church in South Central that's reaching African Americans. We have church in, in, in Compton that's reaching Hispanics, Spanish-speaking Hispanics. Actually, Watts. Watts is now Hispanic. You see, and able to do these things. But let's walk through this parable because we have all these objections as to why we're not reaching our neighbors. Objection number one. Well, you know, it's not my business. Hmm? It's not my business to worry about these other people. Did you know how beautifully Jesus illustrated that? When he says, for example, after the man was beaten and stripped and left half dead, verse 31, and by chance, who came? Speak to me. A priest came. And verse 32, and likewise, who else came? A priest and Levite. To be known for their love for whom? God. And for their knowledge of what? Of the word. And what did they do with this poor, unfortunate man? What did they do? They walked by on the other side. They went and looked and walked by on the other side. They both came and looked and passed by on the other side. As it is say, this is not my concern. This is not my business. Friend, it's a priest. And a priest's concern is bringing God to the people and bringing people to God. That is his business. It was a Levite whose job was to be about holy things, was it not? To be in the business of, again, the worship and the care of people and the worship and care of God. It was their job. But they said, it's not my job. And it's, it's not by accident that Jesus, in the illustration, uses whom? A Samaritan. A Samaritan was a religious half-breed, a racial half-breed. He, he didn't know this, and he could care less about that. If there was a man that could say, it's not my job, it would have been the... You see, friend, and... Sometimes we do the same thing. We just say, well, it's not my job. It's, you know, let Bobby Scott handle the blacks. And let Montoya handle the Hispanics, you know. And let, like, uh, Ek Fu Young handle somebody, somebody else. You know, I know that's not my job. My job is simply here. And God says, no, it isn't. It is your job. It is my job. I tell our people back at First Fundamental, if it looks human, preach to it. That's what I tell them. That's what I tell them. 
That's, that's our motto. You know, it resembles a human being converted. Ask questions later. You know what I'm saying? We have this stinking philosophy, you know, uh, uh, of, of just targeting audiences. Well, we're only going to target this audience. We're going to target that audience. We want this kind of a church. We want that kind of church. That philosophy is hatched in hell. It is hatched in hell. And the Lord is teaching us here. If people need the Lord, that is your responsibility. Am I helping us tonight? We have these objections. By the way, every culture has them. Hispanics have them. Asians have them. Blacks have them. Hmm? We have white flight, black slack, brown frown, yellow mellow. Everybody's running. We are. We are. Is that right, Pastor Scott? Yeah, we're all running. People running. You go to black communities. Oh, Hispanics moving in. There goes the neighborhood. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Is that right, Pastor Scott? You see? Yeah. Yeah. And where did they learn it from? What I'm saying is, friend, it is our job. It's our responsibility. And we have another objection. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. The average pastor, every average elder board, you know, we have all these things to do for ourselves. We have, we have ministries to run. We have our own activities, our own functions. We just don't have time to do this, those things. We just don't have the energy and time to get involved in all those other things that are taking place out there. We're just too busy. The Levite could have said that because he's a busy man. Maybe he was quickly following the priest to get to attend to the priest, and he said, I'm just too busy. Dr. Barrick, I recall was on when I was in seminary as a second year student at Talbot Seminary and racing, racing to go to class one Sunday one 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 morning during the week. And we passed by these tracks, and as I passed by these tracks, there was a man, there was a man lying by the tracks. Early morning, just lying flat by the tracks. And I just, I just almost ran him over, but I just ran over the tracks and off to school. And I sat there in seminary trying to take notes and just thinking of that man lying by the tracks. Seminarian. Man of God. A Levite. Passed by on the other side because I was late to class. can't be too busy. You can't be too busy. By the way, if there was a busy man, it was not the priest, and it was not the Levite. Because verse 33 says, but a Samaritan who was on a what? On a what? On a journey. See, this is not just any Samaritan. This was the businessman. You ever meet businessmen? You ever meet them at the airport? You ever meet them in traveling? If there's anyone that's busy, guess what? You know, I fly all the time, and, and I don't have the kind of money to fly, to, to fly first class. You know, I fly any class. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes I go to the airport, and I get there two hours in advance, and I sit there like all the other, all the other flyers, and we're flying, you know, economy class, and I'm sitting there with a cup of coffee and just waiting. 
And I'm there two hours in advance. But the businessman isn't. He comes in at the last bullet, you know. He already has his electronic ticket. He's, he's going to go first class. He comes. He's the first one on. Waiting for two hours there to get on my plane. And then we're going to load the businessman. He gets on. He just got there. And he walks in the first class. I sometimes lose my sanctification about that time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but see, but they're going someplace. The man's got to make, he's got to make, a, he's got to make a buy. He's got to do something. He's got to buy Enron. He's got to do something. To, he sees, he's got to go, he's going someplace. So he's running from someone. I don't know. But if there's ever a man that's, that's busy, it's the businessman on a business journey who's busy. And the Lord obviously brings it to the forefront. If there was a busy man, it was the Samaritan. But he took time out to care for a man that he didn't even know. Friends, soul winning evangelism takes time. I suspect some of you don't even know your neighbors. You don't. I suspect you might be some typical Southern Californians. Get off the freeway in your car, race down. You put that garage opener on. Let's back it up. You open your gate to your locked community. Hmm? Your gated community opens up, lets you in, closes behind. Rabbit dogs come out. And your pool is infested with piranha. That's how, that's how secluded you are. Your garage door goes in. You don't even know who is around and you don't care. Too busy. It says that Bill Gates is so busy that if he stops down to pick a penny, he loses a million dollars. That's how much the man is worth and how much money he makes per minute. Yet he and Mrs. Gates... At the time, to devote billions to feed and clothe children of the world. What's my excuse? What's your excuse? Hmm? We just get ourselves into this busyness. So winning just takes time. Make time for people. Here's another excuse. Well, you know what? I just don't like to get involved. I just some, I just don't like to get hurt. I just don't like to get burned by people. I've tried it one time, Alex. I, I went out to visit people, but you know what? They didn't want to. Re- they didn't respond to me. I tried to get involved with people, but you know what? They, they just, they just rejected me, and after that, I just stopped doing it. Really? Really? Now, see, you, you, you visualize the priest and the Levite. I'm sure the Levite, the priest came over, looked at this man beaten, and looked around. I'm out of here. Or the Levite. These guys, these thugs are probably still around here. You think it too, don't you? Some poor, unfortunate person by the car, by the freeway, car broken down, for you to stop? You're not stopping. You're not. Neither are you. Why not? 
Hmm? Why not? Because you're afraid. Afraid of what? Getting hurt. Getting hurt. Hmm? Huh? Anyway, the priest and Levite, they think that ran through their mind? That's Jerusalem or Jericho. That's like getting, getting lost in South Central. Yes or no? You see, and, and that, is, that, is a, that is a real possibility, my friends. It is always a real possibility for God's people that if we get involved with people, we are going to get hurt. And that's why the word that Jesus uses is in verse 33 where he says, But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt what? He felt what? Oh, speak to me. He felt what? Say it loud. One more time. That is the only, that's the only thing that will make you do what you need to do is compassion. What do you think made Mr. and Mrs. Bill Barrett go to Bangladesh and give their lives down there and raise their children down there? Compassion for these people. All these missionaries that you have up there, you know, what makes them go out there and do what they have to do? Is it not compassion for these people? Because you love these people. That's what gets you out of your your comfort zone and moves you out there and do what you have to do. What makes you drive through these communities? What makes you go and get involved with people? Why? Because you love them. And you're willing to risk your, 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 your security, even to the point of risking your life. Yes or no? This is it. This is it. To risk your life. You know, we have been in East L.A. for the last 30, 32 years. We haven't died yet. You notice that? <laughs> we haven't died yet. And then people are afraid of East L.A. You go down there. All the gangs. All the killings. All the muggings. You're down there. Yeah, they got the best food down there. <laughs> Ain't they right, Brother Dan? Oh, yeah. You have to take you to this, They got this burrito that's about... No, this thick. Yeah. I mean, ribs. I mean, they have ribs. They throw the cow on the table, my friend. <laughs> what I'm saying, my friends, is some of us are afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid. Where's Pastor Hughes? In the back. Dr. Hughes, I even had a, a man. A man talked to me like that. Well, you know, Pastor, if we invite these folks to join our church... It'll just grow and grow and grow and grow. They'll take over our church. How does that strike you? Afraid. Maybe he's thinking the same thing. I don't know. But if he is, may his car blow up on the freeway. I don't know. That's a curse I just placed upon him. There's people that are afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid. If you're afraid, it's because you don't love. And if you love, you have compassion, it'll make you cross that line. So friend, let's just, let's just resolve it right here. Let's just end it here. Even, this, even our seminarians, some of our seminarians are afraid. 
Afraid to go out and minister, you have to just die. Just die, just give it up. And just say, Lord, wherever, let's go. Let's go get him, Lord. Anything, let me, let me give my life to bring a soul to Christ. If I can just bring one soul to Christ with my life or with my death, may that be my goal. And that's the way it needs to be. That Samaritan didn't care for He didn't care for his life. He was moved for the life of the man, not for his own life. He was moved for his welfare, not for my welfare. And that's why Jesus says, that's the case here. Another excuse may be, well, you know, it just costs too much. It just costs too much. Missions cost too much. Starting churches cost too much. Winning souls cost too much. Really? What is the price of your soul? Hmm? What's the price of your soul? Young man, what's your name? Yeah. Aaron. Aaron. What if this church said, no, this man Aaron, we're going to spend $100,000 to win his soul soul to Christ. That's too much money for Aaron. Let him be damned instead. What would you think? Wow. Wow, that's what, yeah. (laughs) Let him be damned instead. And yet that's, that's what many elder boards and many missions committees, that's the way they think. I will spend a million dollars on this facility, but not ten dollars across the street for a soul. Hmm? Speak to me now. Hmm? Oh, it costs too much. It costs too much. Look at the Samaritan. Did it cost him to help this wounded traveler? Yeah, look at the story. He came to him, verse 34, bandaged up his wounds, poured oil and wine on him, put him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Already it's expensive. And here's what he did. He said, here's my credit card. Here it is. Whatever he needs, charge it. Hmm? Just charge. Now, when was the last time Justin you did something like that? You don't even have a credit card. That's your problem. When was the last time you did something like that? Whatever it takes, let's do it. That's what he said. I want this man made well. And I brought him to the inn, and whatever it takes... You put it to my account, and when I come back to Samanek, I always do, I will pay you every cent that you spend on making him well. Boy, does that speak to us, my friends? It's speaking to me right now. What is the worth of a soul? How much is a soul? How much is Aaron's soul worth? Marines have a model. They have a model. If a man's wounded, they'll go back. They'll go back if they have to lose 14 other dead men to bring the other man back, but they will do so. Friend, that's love, isn't it? That's love. We can also say, well, you know, I can't, I can't help everybody, Alex. I mean, psh, you're talking about all these people. You're talking about S- San Fernando Valley, the, 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 the fastest growing Hispanic 
segment of the state. I mean, you're talking about over a hundred different languages in the L.A. school district. You're talking about all these people around here. Listen, I, I, I can't help anybody. You know, again, the Lord is helping us here. Verse 31. And by what? Speak to me. And by chance. See, God didn't say the Levite, Levite, go down the go down the road to Jericho, find every single wounded man, take care of him. He didn't tell him that. He didn't tell him. He just said, by by chance. As you go through life and God opens opportunities, take advantage of them. That's all it's saying. As God, as you move through life and God opens up opportunities for you, take advantage of them. That's all it's saying. And by chance. By chance for the Levite, by chance for the Good Samaritan. One blew the opportunity, other one took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. That little boy, that little boy by the seashore, there were all these starfish. All these starfish were, uh, were like uh, being blown, being thrown on the, seash- on, the, on the seashore, on the sands, and the sun was coming up and drying, drying all these th- thousands of starfish. Little boy out there. Throwing starfish back into the water, you know, it's feeling sorry for them and throwing them and throwing them. And some man says, Hey, buddy, hey, son, you can't, you can't save all these starfish, hey. What does it matter if they all, what happens to them? The little boy got up and he said, Matters to this guy? <laughs> Matters to this guy. Matter to this guy. Matter to that lady. Yes or no? You just need to do what God wants you to do. To find that which God wants you to do and for you to do it. When that opportunity comes for you to do it. Now, I don't know what God, what plan God has for, for Calvary Bible Church. I don't know. But I know that by chance, hmm, I know that by chance, God is going to give you, bring you opportunities. Amen? Take advantage. If it looks human, what? Preach to it. You see, beloved, it's love. And so which of these proved to be a neighbor? Hmm? Why the one that had mercy on him? It's not so much, my friends, that they who come here are the neighbors. It's that we are their neighbors. Go thou and do the same. Now, if by chance you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, 
You're this man that was beaten up. That's your life. The world, your sin, has left you destitute, has left you bankrupt, has left you half dead. You don't know where to turn. You have no one to help you. The Samaritan represents Jesus Christ who came and died for your sins. He came to give his life for you. He spared no expense. He even laid down his own life for your sins. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Christ, my friend, that's your first step. For you to recognize that in your beaten, dying position, you only have one cry, and that's the cry for God to come and help you. And for Jesus Christ to forgive your sins. And for you, by faith, to invite Christ to become your personal Savior. And Christ will make you whole. Christ will save your soul. And God will make you whole. That's what he promised to do. But it's up to you to respond to him. It's up to you to open up your heart and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And I trust that you'll do that. And that you'll do it tonight. That you open up your heart and invite Christ to become your Lord and Savior. Let's pray tonight. We thank you, our Heavenly Father, for this evening. We want to thank you for this beautiful story. It is such a marvelous, marvelous story. It is so beautifully painted, so wonderfully told, that even to comment upon it seems to do it an injustice. So, Lord, pardon your servant if you may have muddled this thing. But, Lord, we see in this parable, we see a a priest. Oh, Lord, you have made us all in Christ a kingdom of priests to you. But, Father, we have, may, we have failed you, many of us. For we have not had compassion on those that are beaten and downtrodden, those that are Christless and hopeless. Father, you've called us to be servants like the Levite. And we're so busy serving God's people, serving the church, we have forgotten to serve the ungodly, those without hope, without Christ. Oh, forgive us for not making time for them. Help us. Father, our hearts are fearful, many of us. May we move beyond our fears. So, Lord, from this auditorium, from all of us here tonight, we look out, we see all these nations coming to our doorsteps. May we speak to them the bread of life. So, Lord, tonight, we thank you. May our decisions be in keeping with your word. For we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you, beloved.